Disclaimer, Rare Sense content is not medical advice, nor does it represent the official position or opinions of any other organization or person. If you require diagnosis or treatment for a mental or physical issue or illness, please seek it from a licensed professional. Hey guys, welcome to the Rare Sense Podcast. This is Chris Irwin. This is the second half of my conversation with John McCaskill and Will Schneider of the Men Talking Mindfulness Podcast. For roughly an hour, we discussed our experience taking psilocybin in a therapeutic group setting with Beckley Retreats in 2021. Beckley's programs include a four-week virtual preparation phase, a five-day on-site legal retreat outside the United States, and a six-week virtual integration phase. I found their work to be extremely comprehensive and committed to best practices. To date, I've never spoken about psychedelics publicly in any capacity, but I've had numerous people ask my opinion on them. Since John, Will, and I went on this trip together, I felt that here was the appropriate opportunity to finally provide some commentary on the subject. However, please note that our discussion purely represents a narrative of what we went through and our personal opinions. It is not prescriptive in any way. None of us are medical professionals. I'm also going to combine this podcast episode with my monthly blog post, which I'm reading now, and offer some reflections on the Venn diagram consisting of drugs and mind fitness. These two topics can contain overlapping real estate. And the question I've always tried to answer in my case is, how large should that intersection be? Can drugs be part of my mental health journey or regimen? And if so, which ones? So for the next few minutes here, I'm going to read the rest of my monthly article to provide an audio version in addition to the written version. And then I'll move on to the actual podcast episode. First, it helps to clarify what most of us mean by drugs. I've always been given two basic definitions. A medicine or other substance which has a physiological effect when ingested or otherwise introduced into the body, or a substance taken for its narcotic or stimulant effects, typically illegally. Put another way, there are good and bad ones. The former are synonymous with medicine, safe, salubrious, and therefore legal. They are prescribed by doctors or are available over the counter at your local aptly named drugstore. The latter are dangerous, potentially deadly and justifiably against the law. They are sold by criminals lurking in dark alleys. For the longest time, this is precisely what I believed. I grew up in the 1980s when the war on drugs was prominently broadcasted across the airwaves with famous slogans like Just Say No. When it came to any bad drug, from cannabis to crack, I was repeatedly told to avoid them at all costs. These substances are simply hazardous to your health and of no benefit. And in the case of mind-altering substances like psychedelics, they are at the worst end of the spectrum. Not only are they addictive, but they can make you go crazy, jump off a building, or turn you into a vegetable after just one dose. They seem terrifying to me. I was also led to believe that what caused mental health conditions like anxiety and depression was an imbalance of chemicals such as serotonin in the brain. If you suffer in this way, it's not your fault. The gray matter in your head is simply defective. But luckily, pharmaceutical companies developed good drugs, like antidepressants, that correct this shortcoming. It's a temporary fix, but it works. You will feel better if you continue to take their proprietary pills for the rest of your life. But as I got older, I became critical of this conventional collective narrative for numerous reasons. I learned that most of what I had been told about psychedelics wasn't true. Books like Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel and How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan opened my eyes to the history of these compounds. Not only were many of them found in nature, but they'd also been used by various cultures for hundreds, if not thousands of years, as medicine. And in the mid-20th century, 
scientists in the United States actively studied their potential therapeutic effects. I also started hearing about veterans successfully treating PTSD and other mental health conditions with only a few doses, sometimes with just one. Lastly, I found out there's basically no evidence that a lack of serotonin causes depression, nor do SSRIs seem to exhibit their purported chemical effect. Yohan Hari details the history of mental health and prescription meds brilliantly in his book, Lost Connections, which I highly recommend if you want to learn more. So if I were to summarize my findings, essentially I'd been lied to about certain drugs for my entire life. Some of the bad ones weren't bad, and many of the good ones weren't very good. Of course, that's not true with all of them. There are legitimate life-saving pharmaceuticals out there. I'm not telling anyone not to take medication their doctor prescribes if it works for them. And I think we can all agree that crystal meth probably isn't helping anyone. But I had to take a second look at the fundamental points of distinction between those two connotations I laid out before from the term drugs. Upon close inspection, I could only find one, legal status. It also seemed that what got something on the nice or naughty list wasn't always a matter of health benefits or safety. After all, the best scenario for any company that makes it consumable is to have as many people ingesting their product daily forever. I don't see why Big Pharma would be any different. It's mostly about money. So in my mid-40s, when faced with mental health problems that could potentially be treated with drugs, I was forced to stare down this reality. I had seen a psychiatrist who wanted to prescribe me SSRIs within 30 minutes of our first meeting. But I just couldn't accept this solution based on everything I've discussed thus far. I also had opportunities to try psychedelics in various settings. And while the horror stories I've been told for most of my life still loom large in my mind, I'd spoken to enough people I trusted who seemed positively transformed by their use. However, I was still hesitant because I saw another issue with any drug used to treat mental health, disempowerment. By accepting chemical assistance, I was essentially acquiescing to the idea that my brain was broken in some fashion, that I was incapable of training my mind out of these problems. I never liked that idea, but I also realized that based on everything I'd learned about psychedelics, they might serve as more of a teacher than a drug. Maybe they could give me a new perspective I was having difficulty seeing. So I gave them a shot. And as you'll hear in the podcast, I believe the experience was beneficial, although by no means a cakewalk. Ultimately, I do think these substances can help people. That said, they are extremely powerful and definitely not for everyone. Regardless of its moniker, any medicine or drug should be treated seriously. And I'm certainly not here to tell anyone what they should or shouldn't ingest, imbibe, or inject. To each their own. On a larger scale, I've come to believe that anything you put in your body can technically be a drug. It doesn't matter if it's LSD, prescription pills, or things we don't even classify this way, like food and alcohol. You can go to a liquor store and purchase enough booze to put yourself in a coma. Overeat junk food for long enough, and it will eventually kill you. Legally, we may view these things differently, but I think they're all just pieces of the same big cosmic cocktail of edible compounds. Any of them can be part of a healthy existence or contribute to your ultimate demise. Figuring out our own bespoke recipe while navigating the law is the challenge we all face. Personally, I hope that together we can worry less about preconceived notions, agendas, or profits, and more about actually helping people. Let's make that our target. I can't imagine why anything else should be of primary concern. Realizing that in order to get there, we need to start by having honest conversations. So open up, and let's chat. Let's get into our shared experience. 
Yes. Where please. we went on a, a, a very specific type of retreat and, uh, and had some interesting experiences. Um, for Loved sure. Uh, we all did <laughs> tiptoeing around here, but, uh, we all did mushrooms together. Um, yep. we did it out of the country, obviously, I guess, obviously. Um, yeah. but, uh, we, yeah. we did it as a, as an organized retreat and we did this about a year plus ago, something November, like November 2021. Of, yeah, yeah. 2021. And it's really how the three of us met. So, Will, certainly I hadn't right. met you before. John, yeah. I don't yeah. think you and I, we didn't work together in the military. I don't think no. we'd ever met either. We'd, we'd uh, spoken on the phone once or twice prior. Yep. Yep. Not, yeah. Nah. In fact, I should point out when mm. I was getting, when I wanted to start talking about mindfulness, just mind fitness, like my mm. everything that I talk about now, I remember I contacted you because I've found out you were doing something similar and I was worried about, do you remember that? I was worried about stepping yeah, yeah. on your toes. I'm like, <laughs> Hey, is this okay? I want, I don't want to like, and you're like, dude, you know, rising There's tide so much work lifts to be all done. boats. Like it's That's totally right. fine. So, um, but, uh, yeah, no, I was, I mean, you, you don't want to kind of like steal somebody's thunder potentially. Not that I'm any better at any of this than, than you are, but it was, uh, you know, one of those things, right? You don't want to like, no, I appreciate like the grab somebody's courtesy. <laughs> yeah. No, but you were like, dude, yeah, absolutely. And the more people we got talking about this, the better. Yeah. So yeah. So let's, let's talk about psychedelics. I've never spoken about it on publicly right. at all. Uh, so this would be yeah. the first time, Here we but, go. but I think it's, I think it's important to talk about. I think obviously it's a very hot topic out there very. and mm. uh, I think yeah, sharing our experience and our opinions on these things. And and I'll say right now, too, these are my personal opinions and personal experiences. And that's really important. Right? I'm the, what I say on here is not representative of any organization or anything like that. Um, right. So yeah. personal opinion. But um, but yeah, so we went went down and did this retreat and um, spent, what, five days, I think, down there. Yeah, right? I want to say it was five days. Yeah, uh, yeah with two, yeah. Ceremonies so two ceremonies over four days, I think, right, and five yeah. nights maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was Some, beautiful. Something yeah. like that. But we we did this as part of a, again, it was an organized thing, um, communal group, and it was probably two dozen people, something like that. Yeah. With us. yeah, we had a nice group. It was like 20, yeah. 25. Yep. And yeah. there was including the people. Yeah, there was preparatory work as well. So we had a couple of group calls, like Zoom calls with facilitators and other people to kind of get to know folks ahead of time. And then went on a series of flights to get out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it was <laughs> awesome. Outside, outside nowhere, the country, man. but yeah. beautiful location. Uh, and then it's funny, I have a. Um, I have a journal. I don't, I'm terrible about journaling as much as I espouse it as a principle. And I think it's great. It's one of these ones that I struggle with so badly, but I wrote a journal when we were there and I bought this on purpose before. I don't know if you can see that for those of you who can't see this or just listening, it's, it's on the cover. It says life. You can't just run away from your problems forever. And then it says me, I'm fast, very, very fast. And I felt like (laughs) that was appropriate, but I read it this morning. I read what I wrote and there was a bunch of stuff in there that it just goes to the, why journaling is important. There were things I'd forgotten uh, about how I felt about some of the things we practiced there. But um, I suppose we can get into the experience experiences themselves. But one thing that I want to say up front is the outcome of the experience for me, so much of what was beneficial went beyond just taking mushrooms, taking psilocybin. It was 
the integration, it was the breath work we did. It was the meditation we did Mm -hmm. and it was the group setting. And that's something that I, I think it would have been such a different experience if I were by myself in a clinical white walled room in a bed with a doctor there, not saying that's bad, but, and that certainly could work for people. But the fact that we were all together experiencing this in sort of a, I guess, traditional kind of mo- motif. We had facilitators yep. who were mm-hmm. watching us, who were it was almost like shaman, right? They shaman, were singing. Right. I don't they know were. if that's the correct yeah. term, but they were singing songs the whole time and there were candles and we were sort of out in the jungle. Um, and to me, that made such a difference. And then yeah. all of the, and then the time we spent together after everything we experienced. So, and in between the meals we ate together and just going Mm -hmm. out to the beach where we were completely disconnected from technology too. nobody's on their phones, Mm -hmm. but I found that aspect of it. So important, just like kind of what you were talking about your, your retreat, right? That piece of it. I remember sitting there and people are sort of telling their sob stories about why they're here and things that they'd experienced and I think we go into these types of situations thinking, man, my, my story is so screwed up, right? I'm the, I've got so many problems. And you hear, man, everybody else is pretty screwed up too. <laughs> in yeah. different ways. Their, their problems might be different right? than mine. But it was just like, huh, maybe I don't have it so bad. And maybe like we're kind of all in this journey together. So anyway, I don't know what direction we want to go with this part of the discussion, but. Well, I mean, I'll I'll jump in um, and then, and then we'll get into, well, first off, I got to tell you, I got my, my journal here, Chris, and uh, I'm not very good at journaling either. And I journaled there November 19th, 2021. Mm. And the previous entry (laughs) in this same journal. Is dated May twenty third, two thousand fourteen. <laughs> Seven nice. years oh, wow. plus before, <laughs> but uh, the title of my journal and I hand wrote it is the Journal of a Midlife Awakening instead of a Midlife Crisis. It yeah. was a Midlife Awakening. So anyway, uh, I just thought that was funny. I had to share it. Um, so I, I got to backtrack a little bit for for the the psychedelics piece. Um, Will Will and I had been doing the the Men Talking Mindfulness podcast for a while, and I moved out to Colorado Springs. I think we were still on Instagram Live. I'm not even sure if we had started officially podcasting yet. And uh, I met with a guy. He had been a, a pilot, and he had gotten blown up and uh, crashed, and he had some serious post-traumatic stress. And uh, we met for coffee. Uh, I had never met him before. We meet, we meet for coffee. He's like, oh, yeah. It, I, I got to tell you, I, I went down to, and he named the country and I did this journey on ayahuasca and I was like, Iowa, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, cause at, at this time I just retired from the military, like a month prior, you know, in the, in the military were somewhat fairly straight laced, you know, the zero tolerance policy for any type of drugs. So I, I, I didn't mess with anything quote unquote mess with. Um, and I'm having this talk with this guy. I'm like, wait, wait. So you did drugs to right. heal? Like, that's in my mind, that's, that's what I said. Drugs. And, uh, and, I, and I think I went from that conversation and I called Will and I was like, yeah, man, I just had this conversation with this guy, former military PTSD. He did this 
medicine called ayahuasca. And Will's like, oh, yeah. I've, I've done that six it. times. <laughs> He's, he, like, knows all about it. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. There's there's a whole side of the world and, and healing that I don't know about. And I'm talking to people about healing their bodies and minds. And mm. here's stuff that I don't know about. So let me get smarter on it. So I went and got Michael Pollan's book called How to Change Your Mind, read through that, tore through it. Yeah, me too. And I was just blown away. Then uh, then read Stephen Kotler's book, uh, Stealing Fire. Again, just blown away by the, the healing properties of these plant medicines. And Will and I are having these shows. I find out about the various nonprofits that are out there helping veterans with, with their post-traumatic stress through plant medicine. You've got VETS, V-E-T-S, VETS Exploring Treatment Solutions. And you've got Heroic Hearts, H-H-G, or HHP, the Heroic Hearts Program Project. And I, I speak to the founders of these, and I'm like, what in the world? And and they told me that this was like going through a thousand sessions of, of uh, counseling in one night or in two nights, two mm-hmm. ceremonies. Mm-hmm. And so... Will and I talk a few times and, and finally we get connected with this former army ranger, uh, Neil Markey, who has since found founded the Beckley retreats through the Beckley foundation. And, you know, we're like, Hey, well, maybe we should do one of these ceremonies together and, and experience it. So Neil reached out and he's like, Hey, yeah, guys, if you come, you can share it on your podcast, talk about it, what it is you're doing, see if maybe other people from the podcast can come. So we end up in this undisclosed location outside of the country. And, uh, and there we meet you. I think we all linked up at the hotel and had one small like puddle jumper flight from this area to like the middle of nowhere. And I mean, it was unbelievable, unbelievable location away from like, no connectivity to Wi-Fi or very little. I mean, only in certain spots. Um, and it was just peaceful. And then we did that that pre-work, right? So I'd done meditation, but I'd never done that really powerful breath work. That yeah. Um, like Holotropic. Was, I, yeah. I had yeah, never that done was, That was trippy in itself. It was super trippy. And I that's remember what it, that's what, yeah. mm-hmm. the, the shaman saying, hey, some people get more out of the breath work than they do out of plant medicine. And I was like, what in the world? It's just breath work. Yeah. And I came out of it and Will, Will was right next to me <laughs> on that first breath work yeah. ceremony. And we were laying down on these beds and we've got these pillows right behind our heads. And, uh, and there were two wet spots right behind my head. And I had been crying my eyes out just yeah. through the breathing. Yep. Like I had no idea that yep. I could tap into that. Right. It was so powerful. Um, so then, uh, you know, fast forward into that evening, and my personal experience uh, with psychedelics was zero. I'd heard about it. I, I Not psychedelics per se, but I'd, I've used cannabis, but I haven't used these types of psychedelics. And I get uh, I get into it and I'm, I'm kind of enjoying the experience. And uh, I remember I, I start to get a little uncomfortable and I flip my little eye shade up. And I see everybody else having their own experience. And, and I stand up. Will, I think you may have even seen this happening. I, I stand up and I'm like, "Oh crap! I've forgotten how to walk." <laughs> and I, but I need, I need, <laughs> I need to get to the restroom like really bad. And the one shaman comes up to me and she's like, "Super nice, super kind." She's like, "Do you need more medicine?" I'm like, "Absolutely not." <laughs> and she's British, so I'm like, I try to relate to her. I'm like, "I'm trying to get to the loo." <laughs> 
<laughs> and you're smashed out of your mind. That's so funny. I don't even know why I did I that. You said that. Like I try to get to the loop. <laughs> so she like helps me, and uh, I come back, and then I tap much further into the experience. And this is this is where like uh, it's it's tough to explain to people who haven't had uh, a psychedelic experience themselves. I didn't. Yes, my vision was kind of changed, uh, but I actually felt visions if that makes sense. So I felt this vision and I journaled about it in the same journal here of, of four children playing. And I was an observer from the outside. I've got three young kids and I walk up to this group of four children. Again, this is not me seeing it. Me, I'm experiencing this. And I, I walk up and I noticed that three of the four children are my three children. My, my oldest daughter, my son, and my youngest daughter all playing, having a, having a blast. And this fourth child is kind of ostracized from the group. And I turn this fourth child around, and it was me as a, as a young boy. And he was being kind of ostracized from the group because he wasn't playful enough, because right. he lives life very straight-laced and lives uh, kind of as Commander McCaskill instead of as John or as Dad. And to me, the message that I kind of downloaded from that was fucking relax, yeah. <laughs> have, have some fun in this thing they call life uh, and, and have some fun with your kids. So uh, I definitely wrote about that. And I've since tried to make a very concerted effort to play with my kids much more often and have, have more fun in life. And then. Sorry, I don't mean to be dominating that. I've no, got fine. one more story. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so then uh, fast forward to the next ceremony. We do a uh, breath work ceremony again prior to same experience. Cry a lot. Feel that just in the breathing. And then we get into the psychedelic experience. And uh, I had gone in with the intention of forgiving and being forgiven. Uh, forgiving those... Uh, that had wronged me in life, whether it was from the battlefield, whether it was from previous relationships, whether it was from my childhood and being forgiven for things I had done and things I hadn't done on the battlefield in relationships and everywhere else. And uh, I thought, okay, that's very broad, but let's see what happens. And I went in and about halfway through the ceremony, I feel someone come and put a blanket on me. And, you know, I want to, I want to say thank you. So I lift my eye shades and there's nobody there. And then that experience, kind of the experience of the vision, quote unquote, comes back. And I experienced this blanket that wasn't even there. There wasn't a blanket. There was nobody there. Um, I experienced that this blanket was the forgiveness that I'd been seeking. Oh, um, and and I had been blanketed with forgiveness. I had, <laughs> And I was given the ability to forgive as well. And, uh, yeah, I came out of that and, and Will and I did a, a actually, I did an episode of the podcast immediately after. And yeah. I, I think it was one of the most profound experiences of my entire life and, and one of the more healing experiences of my entire life. And I'm a meditator and a mindfulness practitioner. I think those have a huge play and part oh, yeah. in all this, but <clears throat> yeah, sure. this was like just hitting the accelerator, right? That's what I, that's what I felt. Those were my experiences. And then, and then coming to back to your point, Chris, about doing this in a clinic, I think there's absolutely value in that, but having the set and setting the intention in your mind, I've since here in Colorado, uh, mushrooms are decriminalized and I'll, I will openly tell you that I have 
uh, tried them on my own here in my house. Uh, I had no responsibilities. Kids were away. I was by myself and I did a huge mistake, completely different experience. The setting was wrong. The mindset was wrong. All I wanted to do was get out of that experience. It, I could not end that experience fast enough, even though it was the same medicine. Sure. Will, you want to chime in here, kind of your ex- your yeah. experience with this whole thing? Uh, well, I mean, this is, you know, I've done, I've been, I've been fortunate, I, I guess, you know, being the hippie in this conversation, that, you know, <laughs> I have more access, you know, to, uh, you know, to these drugs, right? And they're not even drugs. <laughs> like literally they call them medicine because they really are medicine. Like I said, I've been, I've done ayahuasca, like I think six times now, which isn't a lot, you know, compared to other people, but like, you know, that's just given me a tremendous amount of insight for sure. You know, I've done acid kind of recreationally and, you know, it, it brings me into such a beautiful place as well. And then psilocybin, you know, I've definitely have used some recreationally, but in ceremony, I do like higher doses, like three, four, five grams, which take you into that, give you more of that psychedelic experience. And, you know, one thing that the way I've began to speak of psychedelics and, and why they're useful is, is we can't, there's different, there's higher states of consciousness or, or dimensionality or, or that we cannot possibly achieve through sobriety. Yeah, we just can't like this. I feel like the psychedelics or, or breathwork, like that whole trophic breathwork that we worked with was developed by Timothy Leary to, to uh, supplement taking acid trips. Cause like there's certain that that's like, that's, that's why the holotropic breathing kind of gets us into that trippy place as well, because we're actually, you know, robbing the brain of just enough oxygen that we can have a psychedelic experience just from breathing. So it, to kind of, uh, so every time that this experience is wonderful. And one thing I think we should talk about or mention is they had us journaling through the lens of accessing, living your future self. Right. Like yes, who you want to be yep, that was in right here. after right. this experience. And that yep. helped me a lot. Right. So just even journaling about it, I don't have you guys are so funny with your journals, like showing them right here. I don't have my journal with me right now, but I do journal all the time. I'm, I'm showing this as proof that I've journaled in my life. This <laughs> tiny little There's thing. Another three guys. There's no yeah, I know. Well done. Kicking our ass. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And uh so from the experience itself down there, like each psychedelic experience just takes me right to, right to into my heart. Like it, it takes me into this in, instead of like it just being this, uh, you know, yeah, the mind starts to play with like, you know, fractal designs and stuff is kind of moving when my eyes are closed and it's really fun and trippy, but you know, I didn't experience any like major visions or anything. I just come, I, a lot of the psychedelic experiences I've had take me right into this heart space in, into um, the kindness and the love and the patience. And, and then it starts to show me where I haven't been so kind and so loving or so patient. And, and, and also times that I have. So it's like, for me, it was this constant like flow of, of different experiences the whole time, all like moving you know, teaching me about the heart, teaching me about how important it is to be kind, to be patient, to be humbled and, and how to live that way. And it was like, you know, I was, you know, crying at times and laughing and, and, and just actually sitting up and they, they had, 
remember you guys remember the music that we had like they just played this Amazing. beautiful music that helped to move this energy through us the entire experience like you know they're playing guitars and singing bowls i remember the singing bowl chris and you really cracked right open on the one of that singing bowls at one time <laughs> and uh so i it was just it was just so beautiful and especially like you know what i'm on as i'm continually becoming more of this teacher and, and now i'm studying more of compassion is where my work's taking me and a big part of compassion is this common humanity and we're able to like not just do it in a setting and staying in our own lane with eye masks on and not really connecting with with each other like verbally or or uh, or doing the best we can not to uh but and we come out and talk about it it's just it was such a great like you just mentioned earlier chris it's like you know it's not like we're fucked up we're just looking literally trying to let the light in to experience more love, to experience a deeper connection to ourselves and more loving to ourselves. And therefore we can be more loving to other people. And I, I just, I, I was, I came out more humbled, more kind, more loving. You know, I have two, two new brothers here as well because of that experience. And it's just, I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed seeing everyone else transform there as well and hearing everyone's story. And it was just such a, an amazing, amazing time. Uh, and then I think I received a lot of benefits out of it afterwards. Like I did, Chris and I, we did the four week integration program and, you know, I've talked about it before on the show, but this is like the apartment I'm in right now is because of that experience. Cause it took me like, they, they took us through the six week integration course where we had each week we worked with a different part of that future self. And we were asked to meditate on whatever those things that were coming up you know, from the experience and, but also like from our vision of our future self and kind of literally authoring our own life. And I just would sit in these meditations, just see, you know, a big, beautiful place with lots of light, lots of light, big place, lots of life, big place. And then sure enough in New York, I mean, it takes, it's fucking hard to find a place, good place in New York. And I stumbled into this place luckily uh, and I fucking saw it and I, I moved in as quickly as I could. And it's literally all the stars kind of aligned. And it's, and it's from that experience, you know, I'm living more abundantly now. And that's kind of what brought me into this, this space I have, you know, physical space and, and then just open up the abundance of my heart and my mind and, and things have really just transformed, transformed drastically since our time together, you know, in 2019 yeah. or 2021. Awesome. Yeah, it was good. It feels amazing. You get, you had quite an experience, Chris. Do you want to talk yeah. about it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I loved what the work that you were doing down there, and and your willingness to jump in, and 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 you just went there, man, and <laughs> it was you did. Yeah. I mean, congratulations! It was it was beautiful to see. Beautiful it was and heart wrenching at the same time. But like, I think John and I, I mean, I know what my experience is because I've been in these ceremonies before. You know when someone you is going through a deep experience and. uh wrought with all sorts of sounds, emotions and stuff like that's what they need. And yeah. I was like, Oh yeah, Chris is going there. Well, you want to talk about it. Yeah. Well, oh, man, I have so much to say on this Please. topic. Like I feel yeah. like <clears throat> this could probably be broken into a couple of podcasts, but so first off, I would say I came from a background, obviously similar to John's. I was in the military for a long time where there's zero tolerance policy. I wasn't really interested in taking any kind of drugs. I actually come from a family where there was alcoholism in my family growing up. And because I saw the effects of that, and I should say not abusive, it wasn't, but um, my dad really struggled with alcohol when I was younger. Um, but he got sober when I was, I think about 11, 11 or 12. 
But I remember seeing him in the hospital when he was detoxing from that and what that did to him physically and thinking, I'm never drinking alcohol my entire, like I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to go there. So I'm somebody who grew up in high school, very straight laced. I went to parties where people were drinking and I just was like, nope, not touching it, which was great Mm. for them because I would drive people around, (laughs) drive people home. But, and, but things change. I got into college and eventually, you know, and, and then actually have had a fairly storied history myself with alcohol, not to the point of, whoa, Sorry, what guys. is that? Uh, life yeah, is complicated. Life is complicated. That's <laughs> yeah, life is complicated. Coming from the universe. <laughs> it was, was just Rich Harris. Thank you. Thank you, phone, for reminding me <laughs> about my complicated life. So anyway, I, I was um, perfect. But, but the, look, and then I've, I've had my own, and I would say continue to have some kind of struggles with alcohol, not, not alcoholic, mm. but certainly like it's a substance that I, I know I have a challenge with in terms of my relationship with it. But I never took any kind of drugs. I mean, to this day, I've never, other than this experience that we had, that's the only quote wow. unquote drugs I've ever done in my entire life. Never smoked pot. Um, wow. And I'm not necessarily all that interested in it. Mm. And the the psilocybin stuff, man, it took me so much to, to get up the courage to go do that. I was so, and somebody who's like struggling with anxiety, it's like such a, like, how does this, how is this going to work? Because this scares the shit out of me. What was but, that, Chris? What was that moment, if you if you don't mind? What was that moment? You're like, you know what? I'm go. I'm going to do this. Like, was well, there a particular something I, or other? You know? I mean, look, I had been, I'd done so many other treatments, okay. and both mental and physical, and I don't know. I got linked up, John. Somehow, you and I got connected. I talked to you, like that you were going to go do this, and that, and then talking to Neil, and Neil put mm-hmm. me in my comfort zone a little bit, and he showed me stuff that look. And I should be clear, I'm somebody who I'm not out there proselytizing that everyone should go do psychedelics. I think it's, you know, I'm not recommending any of this stuff, but I think that's to each his own. But if you're going to go do it, I think you need to do it in a very safe and like with a lot of intention is really important. So I I talked to a lot of people who had been through similar experiences on various different psychedelics and part of what I got to was, okay, if I'm going to go do something like this, speaking to an earlier point I made, let's not jump in the deep end first. Let's not do the hardest thing possible. (laughs) Let's resist that urge and let's just kind of walk in the shallow end. Because if we're going to jerk the wheel a little bit here, maybe it's better to just, that's something I'd found, especially with chronic illness type things is like jerking the wheel is a bad idea. Like it's really good to sort of like nudge your way over. And so I had actually done some ketamine ahead of this. So I guess technically that's the other quote unquote drug that I've, that I've done mm-hmm. because that seemed to be looking at all these different things. Like that's a really sort of soft entry. It's controlled. You're in a clinical setting. It's an off-label treatment in the U.S. So you can do it legally in the United States. Um, and so I was like, well, let me go try that. And I'd, I'd, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation I could have, but I'd had a good experience there overall. And I'd learned some things. And so it was like, okay, I think if I'm going to do something else, this seems to be the sort of gentlest thing. I've heard it called a teacher. It's natural. I like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was, yeah. And then I talked and talked to Neil and it was like, look, comparatively in terms of something being dangerous, like it's psilocybin is way less dangerous than 
alcohol even or tobacco or you you basically can't overdose on it. Right. Like nobody dies from it. Essentially. I'm sure that's not a hundred percent true. Maybe it is, but, but it's about as safe as you can get if you're going to do this, especially if you do it correctly. So I just, I finally had to be like, just go do this. Right. Like just make it happen. And so going into the ceremony was the first one. It was, it's funny reading through my kind of notes here. I actually was more calm than I thought I would be. And I will say one of the things, even with all the preparatory work, I was still, I think had an expectation in my mind of what it should be. That was erroneous. I had read how to change your mind. That helped me as well. Reading that book really kind of like, but because of that, it's, I had this, expectation, which is bad going into something, uh, uh, experience like this, that it would be very visual. And Michael Pollan even talks about like when he's doing this and he gets up and he has to go to the bathroom and he's like pissing diamonds. And then he comes back and the woman who's the woman who's working with him, like her face completely changes. And so it's like, okay, there's going to be some serious visual stuff going on. And, um, yeah, so we, we drink this kind of tea, right. That they had the, the mushrooms in and, I'm like staring out in the jungle and just going, okay. I mean, I'm waiting for like a tree to melt or something to turn into a a beagle or something like that, right? Like something like that. And I'm experimenting. I've got kind of eye shades down, look, and then open. And I don't know how long went by, but nothing happened. And I finally sort of sat up and I looked around and I could tell that everybody else was, stuff was happening. Like they're, the looks on their faces or the, the way their mouth was oriented with their eye shade down. It was like, wow, everybody else is experiencing something here and it's not affecting me in any way. I just, can I just pause real yeah, quick? Yeah. I remember, uh, I remember after the second one, you, you must've walked past me at some point. Yeah, I know exactly and, what you're saying. My, my mouth was like hanging wide open yep. and you're like, afterwards you're like, dude, you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't know where I was, but I was not there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I remember yeah. laughing about that. Just being like, wow, he is out there. So I look, the, the shaman could tell that they were, they were sort of whispering and pointing at me like nothing's going on over there. And they, they came over and they said, what's going on? I'm like, nothing. Like, I don't, I don't feel anything. I felt a little bit of warmth in my stomach, but nothing quote unquote psychedelic. Right. And I said, they said, well, do you want some more? And I was like, I guess, I don't, I don't know. So they come over, she, she's like, going to give me some more. And it was just the raw stuff. And by the way, she, yeah. the, the facilitators do a little bit as well, because it's part of yeah. sort of like being in the same energy, like not nearly the level we do, but it's like the getting kind of on the same level to some extent. Mm-hmm. So one thing that, that, I, I didn't realize going into it, but you're, when you're on this, your pupils get enormous, right? Like they just whoosh, turn into saucers. So her pupils, I remember her from front of me were just huge. And she gives me, and I'm like, am I just supposed to eat it? And she laughs. She's like, Oh, I forgot the tea. Hang on a second. So she goes back and I said, <laughs> so she comes back and it's, I said, how long have we been tr- doing this? She was like, time doesn't exist. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> oh, Jesus, here you're we having go. a good time. <laughs> so I take this again and sort of the same thing. Some amount of time goes by. And there's still kind of nothing. And I don't know if that was a, if like physiologically I've got sort of a resistance to this, or I think that I have a very, very strong 
ego, quote unquote, meaning sense of self for me is like super rooted and it takes a lot to shake me off of it. And I remember this, luckily I remembered this when I did ketamine, the same thing kind of happened to me where we did it intravenously to start because I was like, give me the, again, trying to be smart and be like, let's go with the baby steps first, lowest amount possible. That's going to give me some kind of experience. And I just kind of felt sort of drunk. I felt like kind of just kind of drunk. And it was like, well, I don't think this is enough. Can it give me some more? And I, I kept being like, I think I need more. And when I, finally I got to this point where it just like pushed me off a cliff and I completely lost my sense of self, everything. And I remember coming out of that and there, the, the guy who's with me, who's kind of laughing at me. He's like, I knew you were going to push yourself over. I just let you do it, dude. Like, and, and so I'd learned from that, that I need to do the work. I need to do some work and I can't just, it can't just be like a drug where it's like, this is going to just do something to you. Like you, you have to work with it. That's kind of the point. Like it's a teacher that's going to show you some things, but just like anything, it's, you're not just like a passive participant here. You've got to be proactive. So I remembered that in the moment when they were going to give me even more. And I said, nah, let me just try to, (laughs) Let me try to work harder here, so to speak. And one of the girls came over and kind of sang to me and, and did some stuff. They were even going to do some of the, um, what's it, hoppy? The stuff that they blow in your nose. Oh, a rapa. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was it's like, I don't know what that is. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. don't want to do that. But it eventually kind of happened. I remember I got up and went to the, and I re- was reminded of this reading it in my journal, but I went up and got to the, went to the bathroom and I came back and the jungle just looked different. It didn't, it didn't, it wasn't like weird trippy stuff, but it was, there was like a lot, like an energy to it. It was like glowing. And I I was watching a bat in the dark fly around in a way that I'd never experienced before. Like when you see bats, usually it's like a, they just sort of like flash by your vision, either at dusk, like in twilight. But I could see every flap of the wings of this thing in the dark. And I, if you remember, we were on that platform and I, for whatever reason, sort of positioned myself at the head of this platform yeah. where all these cots were, or all these mattresses. Yeah. Front, you're and in the center. Yeah. And I, I yeah. said, I was like, does, it, does anyone else see this bat that's flying around over here? And everyone else is doing their own, they're in their own experience. So that was kind of the beginning of it. And then for me, it turned into, I just started thinking about, my, again, I had very, very little, if any, sort of visual stuff, the colors and everything a little bit, but it was so vague that I, I even read in my journal where I'd written about it afterwards. Like, I really don't remember, like I knew it kind of happened, but I couldn't pick out exactly what it looked like. And it was so minimal for me. It was almost like it just laser focused my thinking where I, I started thinking about the fact that I have, I have so much to be grateful for and I'm not very grateful for it. Like I have so much to be happy about, and yet I resist the temptation to be happy about mm-hmm. it. And I th- about my family, it was like, you have everything you need. You don't need to chase anything else. You don't need to go chasing happiness. And that thought, just like all this, emo- you guys remember this, all this emotion came out of me. So I started kind of crying a little bit, and then it turned into like really crying. And then it was yeah. like screaming, wailing. Yeah, you, and it yeah. was it was just this energy that was coming out of me. And it was so visceral that I was, I would, I had, it was like a workout. I'm like, I'm so loud 
crying and right. I would have to like catch my breath like, <gasps> and then yeah, go at so it again. Right. And I remember being like, sorry, everybody. <laughs> like, I felt like I was bothering everybody. Yeah. And, and I just remember being like, sorry, everybody. And, and a bunch of people kind of chuckled a little bit. And then afterwards, I think, I think, I think some people applauded you and like, like cheered you on. If yeah, I remember. Yeah. Correctly. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. knew you were doing the work. Yeah. And uh, cause this went on for hours and eventually yeah, yeah. I, I got up and, and walked up to the kind of the main area where the dining hall there or the, you know, the place where we would eat just because I felt like I'm, I must be bothering people's and they, they kind yeah. of walked up with me, mm-hmm. but, and I realized I'm, I'm monopolizing the, the time here on the discussion, but it's, I mean, this is something like yeah. if I were to really, I think, talk about this entire experience, it would probably be a few hours of going through each component yeah. of it. But I would say the short version of it is the, the, the key insight for me was it made me really examine myself and like what I was doing to myself. Cause the other thought that I, that came back to me was f- thinking other people were judging me out there for things that I may have done in the past or not done in the past or failures from my time in the military. And this realization of like, nobody is judging you, but you, like you are the yeah. only person doing this. And you may not have loaded up a gun and put it to your head, but figurative, figuratively, every day, you are putting the gun in your mouth and just pulling the trigger over and over and over again, right? And man, that thought was so profound to me that I was wow. like, there was just so much. I mean, it's even like charging me up right now thinking about that. Yeah. But yeah, for me, it was just, and I remember them coming over and saying, I was like, I, you know, sorry about all this. And and the woman you were talking about the, with the British accent, she was like, no, this is good. This is divine energy is what she called it. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> and so, and then my second experience was pretty similar too. And the, the lesson I learned from that was, man, you had tamped down a ton of emotion. Like you had stored so much negative emotional energy in you. I like, I didn't even think something like that was possible. Yeah. And the other thing that was so helpful was in the integration piece after these journeys where we talked about it with each other was I sort of apologized again to everybody like, Hey, I'm sorry if I, and they were like, no, you doing that actually allowed yeah. a bunch of people said this allowed me to do kind of the same thing. It wasn't quite as loud as you, but I, it helped me kind of release a bunch of emotion and man, there's so many le- lessons I got out of that, but uh, that was one of them. And it was just th- th- how, ne- how necessary that is. However you go about doing it, this idea yeah. of like, not suppressing emotions. And if you have them, you got to figure out a way to, to release that energy, emotional energy, right. In a healthy way. And it, it was yeah. just so enlightening, man. Cause it was so different than what I thought it would be. Again, I thought it would be this sort of visual trippy and that's yeah. not what it was at all for me. And it was hard. It was not pleasant. Like, yeah. And even afterwards, I would say my experience afterwards, I had to do a ton of work. I had panic attacks afterwards. I had anxiety sessions. Some of the check-ins with the those yeah. follow-up calls, I was like, hey, I'm actually doing a little worse than I was beforehand. Hmm. The, the experience was was helpful, but it was like, I, man, you, I had to commit to so much work afterwards. And I just think it's so important that, again, I'm not somebody who, who's just kind of out there like, everybody should go do this. I think that they have their place. They, you need to go about an experience like this, like it's a marathon you're training for. And the, and the experience is the marathon. 
So you have to train ahead of time. You have to take care of yourself afterwards, recover appropriately and right, take it right. seriously. It's like a serious yeah. thing and it can be therapeutic. Again, I look back on it now and I'm like, man, that really taught me a valuable lesson, but it was a yeah. hard lesson to learn. And, um, and I'm glad again that I was with other people. To me, that was such an important thing is that everybody's experience is going to be different right? It's not like just some drug that's going to have the same effect on everybody. It's like, it's, it's an experiential thing and it's going to teach you something you, but it's going to be individual to you and you have to be smart about the entire thing, take it seriously and do the work. But if you can be with other people, I just think it's, to me, that was so valuable, man. Like talking afterwards, talking in between it, being able to follow up with one another. Right. It was sharing with, with folks. Anyways, yeah. I've been talking I mean, even, for a long even time. This, <clears throat> yeah. Even this, what we're doing right now, what a year and two months later, a yeah. year and three months later, yeah. I feel this is, this is a part of it. Yeah. This is yeah. a part of the, that, that therapeutic piece um, because of the relationships that we form there because of being in that same ceremony together and knowing that, and you know, I knew Will was doing work. I knew you were doing work, Chris, you you two knew that I was doing work. We all knew that everyone there was doing some type of work and that there was work to be done in that moment, but that there was also a lot more work to be done afterwards. It's not a one and done thing, um, which actually I, I would love to kind of throw out a question. Would you do it again? Would you well, do it so, again, Chris? So there's a, I mean, there's, I have, yeah, I, right. I know you have, right. I know you have. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, Here's my thing with sort of psychedelics in general, I think, is one, something like psilocybin, it's it's a mushroom, right? I mean, it comes from a mushroom. I think we I think we can synthesize it, but it's a naturally occurring substance. And the idea that we're okay in general with lab-created pharmaceuticals that will prescribe to tons of people, something like opioids, that will kill 50,000 50, people in a year. And that's okay. And that's a, that's a good, quote, unquote, quote, good drug or legal drug or okay drug. And something like psilocybin, which is a, a natural, it's a species, right? It's yeah. a naturally occurring species. And we're going to say that's illegal. We're going to outlaw a species, which is pretty arrogant of us, uh, right, yeah. is, is crazy to me. That is insane that, we'll, that we, we do that and that we accept that and that we we agree that that's like, okay, or normal or makes sense. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me. And then specifically for these things too, is because, is to your point, John, no, I mean, would I do it again? Potentially. Do I have any desire? No. Like it might be something that I only do once or I guess twice. Right. And in the course of those two days in my entire life, in my entire life, I think it's, again, it's important if you're going to go do something like this, you have to know why. You have to, have, yeah. there's got to be a reason. It's not just mm-hmm. like to go trip out. I mean, like, can sure. you do that? Sure. To each his own. Right. But if you look at it as a medicine, if that's the way you're going to treat it, not as a drug, but as a medicine, then you are treating yourself. It's, and, and you have to be very clear about like what you're trying to treat that intention going into it and then being able to do the work. You know, to me, it's something that it, it's a, so before I did it, I had somebody who was experienced in these kinds of things say, psilocybin is kind of like a, it's a teacher. It's going to teach yeah, you absolutely. something, but it's up to yeah. you to learn it and right. and integrate it. And I think that that's right on the money. 
But no, I don't have any desire right now to go do it again. I felt like I got out of that what I needed to. And I, I had a much better relationship. The other awakening, oh, I should mention this. The other piece of that experience that I had in, in the second time was I had kind of ramped up. My whole thing was like trying to get rid of my anxiety. And I had ramped that up going into the second experience because like coming out of the first one, I was almost like a little hungover and you know, it's a lot of, you go through a lot, right? John, I think you were yeah. too, right? You felt like kind yeah. of hungover after the oh, first yeah. one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I wasn't doing myself any favors and I was going into it with a little bit of trepidation and nervousness and it was affecting me physically a little bit because of that. So I'm lying there after the, we take this, this for the second ceremony and it's, it's like there's tension in my chest and I'm starting to worry about that. Like, Oh my God, is this giving me a heart attack or something? It's like the worst thing you can do. And I, this is the part I do remember about visions. It, it was like dark. There was, I had the eye shades down, but there's scary stuff. It was dark. It was like monsters and everything. And after struggling and resisting for, I don't know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, I just made this decision of like, what if we just let this be like, don't resist oh, wow. it at all. Just lean in. Lean in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. am not kidding. Almost like <laughs> it's a cliche. Instantaneously, everything turned to no shit, like pink, rainbows, bunnies. <laughs> and, Hippie shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the, and, but most importantly, all the physical pain disappeared. Wow. And it was like this, it felt literally like a big slap in my face. It was like, you see, like the, yeah. the fear sure. is the pain. Do you get that? Mm, like the wow. resistance you are, you're pushing back on this. Your fear of it is the problem. It is the pain. And man, that was such a, again, such a profound, like, it was just like a, you fucking dummy type of thing to myself. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, so yeah, I, you know, I, and those again were important lessons. I don't feel like I have a lesson that I need to learn right now. And it's not to say that I don't, I might, but, right, right. but I've still work with that too. I mean, like you mentioned the envisioning your future self. I actually read, yep. I'd forgotten about that. And I read it this morning in this and I was mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm still kind of missing the mark a little bit. I'm still yeah. not quite there. And that was a good reminder of, yeah, you gotta, you gotta recommit to that. You know, you know what you should be <clears throat> and you're close, but you're, you're still holding back and on some, and, and that includes even having this conversation. Like this is the kind of thing that would scare yep. the shit out of me before <laughs> to talk about this. I mean, at this point, I mean, everybody talks about it. I don't think, <laughs> I think we're good. Right. Right. Joe Rogan and Sam Harris and everybody, uh, you know, but, um, yeah. And, and I, I don't want to speak for anybody else and what they're doing out there. And like I said, I don't. It's not like I'm, I would even tell anybody like you should go do this. I just think if you're going to, it's important to do it correctly, you know, and, For sure. and intentionally. It, it's, it's a great teacher, like you said. And I also think like my experience with uh, ayahuasca, you know, I, I did a ayahuasca ceremony. It was Memorial Day 2021. So I had quite, quite the year than that. And um, I didn't touch it five years before that. I'd had many opportunities, like I'm part of this group and every six months they would have, Hey, we're having another ceremony. Hey, we're having another ceremony. I'm like, Nope, not time. Nope. It's not time. Nope. It's not time for five years. And then it was like, wait, now it's time again. Yeah. And I, I think there's like, you know, you're, 
when you're ready, it'll be there. Or, or maybe you'll yeah. never have to do this again. But I feel like, you know, there's, it's there and it's been in our society. It's been part of our cultures for, for you know, since the dawn of, of, of I think it's, it's part of a lot of, um, Scientists are saying like it's 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 made us <laughs> it took us away from the ape and made us into the human. The, yeah, that's yeah, that's you know, a it's part of the theory, there, right? The right. stoned ape theory. <clears throat> you know, so it's like there is something about like us, you know. I didn't realize it was called that stoned ape theory. Stoned that's ape theory. Funny. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, it, you know, it, it's it has it has its time and its place, and but it has to be like you said. It, both of us, I know you said it, John. It's like it just got to be respected. You know, yeah. if you're going to do it in ceremony and it, and it's like work with the right shamans, like do the work, prep work ahead of time, do your research. Like it was, it put me at, at ease before my first experience was with psychedelics was doing ayahuasca. And I studied it big time, like I, watching documentaries, reading about it, trying to understand, talk to people. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And I went in and, and like one thing that like you had said, Chris, it's like, you know, not fighting against it. You know, the, actually the Beatles, one of my favorite songs, I think we might've shared it on the retreat with you is there tomorrow never knows. And it goes, relax your mind, you know, turn off your mind and float downstream. You know, you're not dying. You know, it's like, they really explain it very well. And that's that whole lean in to the experience. And, and if you just listen, lean in, do the work like you talked about by leaning in a little bit more or finding more of your breath, whatever is going on in those moments and that experience, it could really just have some incredibly revelatory effects on, on the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Real, I mean, so glad I, it's, it's more mainstream now than it's ever been. Yeah. I just, I do think that, I mean, my concern with it becoming so trendy and so out there is that people will jump into it too quickly. Right. And then it will lead to what happens too often is because of that, it gets kind of too, too many people kind of get into it that are not doing it correctly, quote unquote. And right. that leads to some bad experiences that then allow people to jump on and say, see, see how yeah. this isn't a good idea. And, you know, we overgeneralize things, right? Right. So that's why I just think, I think it behooves everybody to treat it with the respect that it should have. And also realize one of the reasons why I do the content I do is because I want people to feel empowered to do this kind of work their own. Like you right. have so much power in your own mind. John, you prove this through what you have done to improve your own existence without any type of drugs or inter, inter, uh, intervention or anything. You have so much power. And unfortunately, the messages these days are a lot of disempowering. It's a lot of mm. you need this medicine. You need this drug. You need right, right. to go to therapy. And those can all be good things. But we should start with realizing how much we can do on our own and only go to those things, I think, when not only go to those things, but think of those things as augmenting or helping mm -hmm. in some way when you you are at an impasse or you are struggling and like you but it it can't be for lack of trying on your part to just again to understand how much mental fortitude you have and power to change your own experience. You know, it's yeah, just, I agree. you know, I just think it's so important because too often the message is just the opposite these days. Yeah. Well, we're powerful individuals and, and these, these, you know, the psychedelics that really help us to, sh if we're willing to listen and watch and do the work, it'll show you, it'll show us our power. And then it's like, then you come out of the experience. Okay. Now what do I do? 
right. you know, right. with this like this new power that I have, I'm more aware of. And, and that's it. But, You're more aware of it. it yeah. It's been there the whole time. It's been there the yes. whole time. It's always yeah. been there. It's always fucking been there. But I, I think it's also to come back to that common humanity piece. It's like we get to empower each other. You know, by having this conversation, by making it more like, okay, it's okay to go in this direction and do these kind of things. But, but then also, you know, keep rallying around those epiphanies that we're having from the psychedelic experience to remind ourselves of that greatness that we did experience in that experience, in that psychedelic experience. And then, then how do we bring that into life outside of the psychedelics? Like, what are we going to do with this opening of the heart, the awakening of the mind, you know, this, this shared connection that, 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 that I've seen so many times through psychedelics, like, oh my God, I just love more. You know, I just want to connect more on a deeper level and, and let go of all like the frivolous bullshit that we kind of like talk about so often, <laughs> you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Right, so, well, anything else on that guys? We've been talking for two hours here. This is no, Ooh, oh, man. I, when I saw that schedule, I was like, holy shit, what are we going to talk about that whole time? And yeah, now we're past that. I'm like, wow. That, yeah. Yeah. It's super easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we anything go, else we, on that on that on that on that realm. The disclaimer that you got to put out there is none of us are medical professionals that's in right. any sh- shape, form, or fashion. Uh, so we're just sharing our experience and what we got through it. Um, but if you are, you know, seek out that that medical professional, somebody who is who has a lot more knowledge on this than we do, um, and then uh, and then see what works for you. So, yeah, why don't we wrap this up, guys? Yeah. Brother, thanks Great so much for. You. Oh man, it's it's been really it's, like I said, this is part of the healing process. Getting back with you guys, we should do yeah. it more often. Where else can people either collectively or individually find you guys in terms of your content, connect with you, whatever? Yeah, go ahead, Will. So I'm at uh, willnotfear.com, w i l l n o t f e a r, willnotfear.com, and Instagram, willnotfear, everything, willnotfear. Uh, and then also, you know, John and I have the podcast, Men Talking Mindfulness, and we have a retreat. And, uh, and if you're in the city, uh, I teach a public class Mondays at six o'clock, 90 minutes of breath work, meditation, and, and movement. So we come to a live class and have some fun. But, you know, that's me. There you <laughs> in go. In a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get past the Austin Powers. This is me in a nutshell, right? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I'm on uh, johnmccaskill.com forward slash links. If you go there, that'll give you uh, access to everything that I'm involved in, my social media, my email, my newsletter, everything else. So, yeah, I'd love uh, I'd love to be connected with you guys if you're listening uh, and answer any questions that you may have about what Will and Chris and I have talked about. So thanks yeah. for having us, Chris. Awesome, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Peace. Peace. 